Hi, listeners. We're celebrating the release of ParCast's first book with exclusive clips from classic cults episodes. The book is called Cults, Inside the World's Most Notorious Groups and Understanding the People Who Joined Them. And you can pre-order it now at parcast.com cults. It's available on July 12th, so be sure to reserve your copy today. Up next, we explore how one man's idea of utopia led to the devastating mass murder of over 900 people. Enjoy this clip from our episode on Jim Jones and the People's Temple. If you'd like to learn more, visit parcast.com slash cults to pre-order your copy of Cults Inside the World's Most Notorious Groups and Understanding the People Who Joined Them. That's parcast.com slash cults. On September 7th, 1977, Jim Jones called together his newly gathered horde under the pavilion. He announced the Stones' betrayal, and he told everyone that they had sent a legal authority to Guyana to arrest Jim Jones and reclaim John Victor. That evening, Jim Jones pulled an old trick out of his hat. He staged an attack on his West House. Over the PA system, he announced that he had healed his grievous injuries, but there was no denying the truth. Jonestown was under siege. For the next six days, Jones allowed no rest for his followers. He told everyone that a covert American strike force had been sent to Jonestown to either capture Jones or kill everyone there. In the midst of this imaginary siege, Jones pulled the temple members together under the pavilion. With sadness in his voice, he told them all they were reaching a tipping point. Those who had been in San Francisco that terrible night a few years earlier might have recognized where this was heading. Jones returned publicly to his idea of revolutionary suicide. Stephen Jones was eventually able to wrangle his father's urges and halt the imagined siege of September 1977. But Jim Jones's calls to revolutionary suicide would not end. Every time the PA would ring out, the cult would gather beneath the pavilion. Jones would serenade about the potential and power of killing themselves for the cause. People would ask questions, and Jones would charismatically bend their will, telling them that there was no greater gesture than coordinated suicide. These events came to be known within Jonestown as White Nights. For hours at a time, deep into the night, Jones would terrify his followers into thinking they were hours away from death. Once again, we turn to an interview with former Jonestown resident Deborah Layton. Every week we had a suicide drill. The sirens would start to blast through Jonestown, and Jim's voice would come over the loudspeaker system. His voice actually was on it 24 hours a day. He had himself taped. And while we slept and while we worked in the field, we heard his voice. And yet every time, the white night ended, just like the imaginary siege did. Jones would send the followers back to their everyday lives in Jonestown, even giving them a day off to psychologically recover. But he was grooming them all the same. After a white night, Jones would commend his followers' loyalty, telling them that they were exercising the strength of their will. Only with strong will would they be able to defeat the forces gathering against them. This was a clear case of psychological conditioning. Repeating this process over and over coded Jones's absurd idea of revolutionary suicide in normality. Stepping up to the edge of death became routine. It was theoretical for now. Many took this with a stiff upper lip, priding themselves on the ability to weather white nights. But others grew fatigued with a semi-regular psychological torment. The atmosphere of Jonestown continued to spiral into madness when 1978 dawned with a tragedy in the life of Jim Jones. 
Lynetta Jones, his beloved mother whom he had idolized since birth, passed away in Jonestown. Jim Jones himself underwent a dramatic transformation. He gained a sizable amount of weight and began indulging in more secretive drug use. Things came to a head on a white night early in 1978. After hours of the usual lecturing, Jones told his people that tonight really was the night. Vats of juice were rolled into the pavilion. Jones told them to fill their cups and drink, and people did. So even at this point in 1978, tragedy was a heartbeat away. Stephen Jones again had to step in and tell everyone that the juice wasn't poisoned. This was yet another test, another white night that they would survive. But Jones had gone off the deep end by now. Marceline, Stefan, Archie, Yames, and a few others knew it. There needed to be a change in leadership or else. Thanks again for listening. Remember to pre-order your copy of Cults Inside the World's Most Notorious Groups and Understanding the People Who Join Them at parcast.com cults. Available in hardcover and as an audiobook in just a few days, July 12th. Visit parcast.com slash cults to pre-order today. Mm-hmm.